Hello and welcome back to Theology Happens. I'm Rob Schutz and you are tuning in to episode number 19. We are almost out of the teens. We've got one last teen and this is episode 19. Obviously, uh, for those of you who are, well, at least if you're still believing in math, but that's a whole other story. Maybe we'll get into that one day. Um, but speaking of math, um, did you know that as of a survey, <laughs> this is dated information, but a, a poll from about 14 years ago, 61% of 20-somethings who had previously been churched uh, left the church. Now, this was a this was a poll, a research um, poll done by the Barna Group. Uh, I'm sure, well, I don't know, sure, you've heard of them, but... Uh, the Barna Group, they do a lot of uh, church statistics and data gathering and trying to sort of figure things out. And so they did this particular set of uh, surveys to sort of evaluate where young people were in the church. And like I said, this this survey is from about 14 years ago, 08, 09. I can't remember the exact time frame, but it was somewhere in, in, in that point, uh, right when I was actually getting started in uh, youth ministry, my first youth ministry job at a church, and um, this this information came out, and I, I was I stumbled upon it because uh, somebody pointed me to the the Ken Ham book uh, already gone uh, that highlighted that, and then sort of talked about some things within it. Um, and the crazy thing is, is despite this being an issue from just you know 14 years ago. Um, I actually ended up writing my uh, undergrad senior thesis on it. I say undergrad as if I have something higher than a bachelor's. I don't. Um, for those of you, you're like, oh, really? Oh, how, how educated is this guy? Yeah, I just have a bachelor's. Um, <clears throat> but I, I still had to write a senior thesis for my undergrad program. But anyways, um, did that, and I wrote on this issue and, and, and youth ministry and, and sort of how um, it maybe is not necessarily – always helping helping the situation and what it can do to actually help the situation if you know the church actually wants to not lose people uh, when they graduate high school theoretically um, now um, <clears throat> obviously there's multiple factors and you can't really create a system to make it lock solid because if there was just some system to maintain people uh, in the church then I think don't know if that would really be the power of the spirit and all that stuff. So you, we got to tread lightly when we get too technical with this kind of stuff. But the point I I want to sort of talk about is that we still, 14 years later, um, and then even when I w went back to school, uh, I forget when I graduated, but that was at least 10, 8 years ago, give or take. Gosh, has it been that long? Yeah, about 8 years ago or so I graduated. Um, so anyways, uh, this has been an ongoing problem and, and thinking about the situation, like you will still see if you're on Twitter or Facebook or, or, um, the, uh, millennial social medias where the millennial generation, my generation, the, the, the late, well, maybe mid thirties to, um, you know, early forties ish church goer is still looking now back going, hey, when I was a 20-something sticking around the church, I noticed many of my friends leaving. 
I then continued in the church and I saw more young people leave as I continued to get older and older. And now pushing 40, I look and I go, there's still not young people retaining uh, what seemed to be a, a faith from their high school days. And it's really fascinating because I teach, I teach junior high and high school now at a, at a local Christian school. And so I see this and I, and I look and I go, I wonder, I wonder how many of them who can give me the right answer in Bible class will, will walk away when they graduate or maybe when they're turned 19 or 20. 21 years old why why does that happen where what what is what is the situation well i think there's only one logical place to start when you talk about this issue and that's going all the way back to deuteronomy now Deuteronomy obviously is one of our older texts. It goes back to the formation of the nation of Israel. It goes back, obviously not, you know, creation story, but almost as far as you can go back prior, you know, with once the establishment of of what we sort of understand as as the full understanding of, of the the Jewish faith and the Jewish people, that's where, that's where it gets its building. Like the, the, um, Pentateuch or the, uh, Torah, that's that story of God taking creation and getting it to that point. And so in Deuteronomy, there's just an amazing thing that, that happens. And so in Deuteronomy chapter six, the, the text says this. It says, now this is the commandment. Now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules. That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So Moses talking. That you may do them in the land to which you are going. To possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's son by keeping all statutes and his command and his command commandments which i command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long hear therefore o israel and be careful to do them that you may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the lord and the god of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey Okay, so let's just stop there. That's Deuteronomy 1, excuse me, Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 3. And right off the bat, Moses saying, here are the commandments that I will teach you, right? He's the, we've had Mount Sinai, um, the giving of the law. We've had some other things get established. And so now here we are that he's giving them this message here. As you go into the land, when you get there, not for only for you when you get there, but for your sons and your sons' sons. This is a looking ahead mentality. This is an idea of not just, hey, what do I need to do, but what do I need to do in order for the next generation and the generation after that? 
Now, frankly, I don't know how often you hear that kind of talk in the church today, which may be problem number one. Do we consider our grandchildren serving in the church? I mean, I don't even have grandchildren. So sometimes that's like a far off idea. But should I be... should I be thinking about it? Well, this passage maybe sort of indicates that it does. So, okay, let's keep going. So, uh, verse 4, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Cool. Introduction to monotheism, in case you missed it. Um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. <laughs> and some people think that that originated with Jesus in uh, the Gospels. Whoops. No, this is this is Trinitarian all the way, baby. Okay, anyways. Um, verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There's some cool stuff going on there, but it's another message for another day. Uh, verse 7, You shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Oh my goodness. Okay. So now, not only hear the commandments, I want you to be thinking about your sons, your grandsons, the next generations, who's this going to be passed on to. But now, here it is. I'm going to write them on your heart. Well, I'm going to this shall be on your heart. Might be jumping a little bit ahead of some stuff, but that's okay. But you shall teach them diligently. So the assumption, the biblical precedent, the biblical beginnings is you will teach them diligently to the children. You shall do this. You shall teach them. And then check it out. When? <laughs> when you sit in your house. When you're having a family meal. When you're just at home working on something or doing something, you're talking about them. Or when you walk by the way, when you're traveling, when you're out and about, maybe you're out in the fields. You know, again, this is, you know, um, pre-Industrial uh, Revolution society. Um, you know, when you walk by the way, maybe so when you're going to uh, the fields to harvest or when you're going, you know, to, I don't know, go fish or what, whatever you have to do. But when you're going, so again, when you're on the move and when you lie down. In the evening time, as the day is ending, and you're beginning to rest for the, the night. And then when you rise, so then when you wake up first thing in the morning, boom, you jump back into it. Almost, it's almost, it's not almost, it's totally saying that this is an all day, every day mentality. And just in case you don't believe me there, look at what he says in verse 8. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so um now they a jewish tradition developed that this became very literal that they would actually write them and there was this whole part of the, the shema prayer here that they would actually bind them and, and wear them however i think this is more metaphorical in the sense that when you bind them on your hands, what do your hands do? Your hands do work. 
right? And so your hands are, are figurative of your work. And so your work, your being, your duty, your tasks revolve around what you've been commanded by God to do. But then likewise, you um, on the frontlets between your eyes, it's at the forefront of your mind that you're constantly thinking about the law of God, that you're constantly thinking about the things that you've been commanded. So that again, it's not a, uh, it's not a categorical world, you know, or compartmentalized world where we live in where it's like, okay, Sunday mornings, I go to my church, do my church things. And then I go to, you know, this thing. No, 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 no. You don't, that's not how we live. We live a life and our life revolves around God and what God has commanded us to do. Yeah, I could go on, but I think that sort of illustrates this beginning point. And so you can see <clears throat> with just this passage, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through, how far did I go? Uh, 9, excuse me, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, that this sets up this precedent that, okay, for the ancient Jew, at the very least, he was supposed to be committed to a faithful and diligent teaching to his children. And again, a wholeness, not just a, Hey, we do this on Sundays or, Hey, we do this on Wednesday nights or, Hey, we do, you know, no, no, no. This encompasses your entire being. Your life revolves around our God because he is worthy uh, because he is God. But again, it foreshadows or points to consider the future. We should be concerned about how I'm living, my faith. Am I being faithful? Yes. But am I training up my next generation and laying the seed and laying the path so that the generations beyond that can also be trained up? So you take that and go, okay, I think if we were diligent in that, then probably, probably we would see better retention of young people in the church because they would have been raised up in it. They would have been trained in it, not just a passive, hey, go to church on Sundays or youth group on whatever nights those will meet or whatever the case may be. But again, it was something that encompassed all of life and so just just in case just in case you're thinking well that's ancient israelites so what does it have to do with the new testament covenant the, 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 the church blah 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 blah. you want to argue with me there okay fine let's jump over to ephesians 6 deuteronomy 6 now to ephesians 6 picking up in verse 1 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Oh, he's just quoting the Old Testament. Mm, you're in trouble now if you really want to play that game. I don't assume any of you do. I just read a lot of malarkey on the interwebs. So um, there's a lot of really bad theology out there. So there's a lot of people go, oh, we don't need the Old Testament. That's stupid. We can unhitch from it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Um, that's just false because the New Testament quotes it right here. And many other places. Anyways, uh, verse 3, <clears throat> that you may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay. 
Now here's the kicker, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now it doesn't go into the whole blank long thing like Deuteronomy did because it's piggybacking on the Old Testament idea anyways. Because again, we, we have the reference to the... Um, uh, ten command, uh, one of the Ten Commandments of honor your father and mother. Obviously, it's going, well, okay, if we're doing that, what, you know, it, again, it's, it's connected. And so, again, so New Testament too, this is not a foreign idea. Again, the assumption is that parents, as they become converts to Christ, as they dedicate themselves to Christ, we obviously see the cost of discipleship for the individual person, Jesus lays out in, in Luke 9 and um, then the Great Commission and, you know, training people up in Matthew 28 and so on and so forth. These other things where it talks about training and educating and perpetuating the truth. Now here, too, in an epistle to a congregation, uh, Paul, to the church in Ephesus, he's reminding fathers, hey, you have a obligation, a duty to instruct your children um, that they too need to know the truth of our faith. <laughs> and so that becomes then the question, Are is that what we're doing? Is what we're doing truly training up young people in faith? Do we in our Christian homes talk about Christ all the time? Does he come up in our conversation often in our normal day to day? Or is it literally just reserved for Sunday mornings and maybe Sunday mornings and if you have a midweek or maybe Sunday mornings and if, you know, they go to a youth group or something along those lines. Because if that's the case, that's not the biblical expectation expectation that's not the biblical assumption that's clearly this other thought that we've had where we've we've begun to compartmentalize things um in these in these realms right where we go okay well when you're at school you're at school when you're at work you're at work when you're at church you're at church as if like you can be some different person or you can have some different reality interact with you in those things but that's just blatantly false you are you no matter where you are or when you are and if if you follow christ that means that should be well documented and well understood in all these different spheres of our life there's no compartmentalizing that idea and so <clears throat> we can get so caught up in that. So anywho, um, now, so going back to the, the, the premise, right. Or back to the, the point, right. You see people now talking about this. Okay. Young people are still leaving the church. There's this, there's that, there's all these things that are going on. But sometimes what happens within that, is, you know, there, there's this new move in, in the church today, right? It's the year 20, 
22. Just in case this gets found later. I mean, I don't know. I like to th I like to think that some, you know, someday archaeologists will find this recording somewhere. I have no idea if that's going to be possible. I my wife's shaking her head at me. Um, she's judging me hardcore right now. Uh, but I love Anita Jones. Sorry. Anyways, um, <clears throat> and there's a movement going on. I don't know if you've heard about this. I bet you have. Um, but it, it's called deconstructing. Now, it's not a new idea, um, to be perfectly honest. Deconstructionism has been going on in the church uh, ever since modernism really got um, its foot uh, settled out a little bit. And and we deconstruct all sorts of things, and we have deconstructed all sorts of things. It's really what has sort of um, pushed the postmodern movement, right? And, and now we're even post-postmodern, which is getting even, like, we're deconstructing postmodernism, which is just like... Like, I don't even know how you deconstruct something that's deconstructed, but I just think of, like, a deconstructed sandwich, and then you deconstruct that. Like, I guess it's basically what I eat for lunch, because I don't actually I eat salami and cheese separate. Okay, never mind. Anyways, um, and so <sighs> there's this, this movement of deconstructing our faith, right, and X evangelicals or ex-evangelicals i forget they try to be cute with the terminology and um <clears throat> so there's people that are leaving the church and going see i've deconstructed my faith and and they, and they try and sometimes they try to spin it like where okay well that's like what the reformers did they were they were uh deconstructing you know uh catholicism and 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 this and that and it's like well no they they weren't really deconstructing they were going back to a source they were going back to a foundation that had been abandoned by uh, the the rise of the medieval uh, papal see and uh, Catholic tradition that 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 started running rampant and uh, just destroyed uh, the Christian faith there for a little bit. <clears throat> Not obviously entirely because you know remnant and all that, but really messed things up as far as mainstream uh, Christian thought went. And so. Again, because the difference is deconstruction is I want to take this foundation and crumble it up. The reformers went, no, here's a foundation. We're going to go to it. And obviously, um, if, if you know anything about the Reformation, you know their rally cry was uh, sola scriptura. Sola uh, uh, scriptura means uh, scriptures alone or, or that, that the scriptures are the final authority, right? That that is the be-all, end-all. That's where we can agree on. And that's where we have to start and base every argument from. Now, I, I, I say this and, 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 and spend some time on this because here is what I want um, to make very clear. Hold on. I just thought of something um, that I want to make sure I include in this. So I have to look it up real quick because I didn't have this scripture off the top of my head and I want to quote it correctly. So do, 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 do. Uh, I apologize. Rumors of war. See this is when you this is when you this is this is always when you're on the fly. Whoopsies. Okay, see that's a bad that was a bad search. Okay. So here's why I'm mentioning this. Oops, that's why. Haha. <laughs> I have the word wrong. Okay, here we go. Do, 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 do. 
No, that's not it either. Okay. Here we go. I know how to find it. There it is. Got it now. Here we go. Okay. So. Maybe I do. Oh, man. This is so frustrating. Okay. So, anyways. Well, let me paraphrase it for now, and I'll find it in a second. I bet. Okay. So, because here's 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 the here's the reality of what what I'm what I'm talking about right now. Because what I've just laid out is the Christian assumption, right? The Christian assumption is that we need to train up our our kids in the way of the Lord, right? With all things that it should encompass every aspect of our life. That again, no matter what we do professionally, no matter what we do uh, in leisure, no matter what we do, you know, with whatever time we have. We need to we need to seek that out. Now, <clears throat> in one of my earlier podcasts, I talked about two ultimate realities. There's two ultimate realities as far as mankind goes. You're either in Christ or you're not, right? And that's super clear. You go back and find that episode. I don't remember which one it is. I think actually two ultimate realities is the name of that episode, so you should be able to find it. But... More importantly, in this context, when you talk about that, and in Romans 5, I found it. I finally, I found, I did, told you I'd find it. Uh, Romans 5, it says this, this is, for if, Romans 5.10, for if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his, this isn't exactly what I wanted, but that's okay. It does give us this contrast that again, we're either reconciled in Christ or we're not. And so here is, um, here is radical truth point. Of, of the day. Neutrality is a myth. I think I've said that on one of these episodes. I don't know. I forget what I say and where. But I'll, I'll say it here now, just in case I haven't. Neutrality is a myth. And what I mean by that is we can't assume then that if someone is instructing or teaching that they can teach it in a neutral, unbiased realm. They can't. Because either they're in Christ, right? So they're teaching from a godly point of view, or they're outside of Christ. And so they're teaching it from some sort of contrary worldview that's that's opposed and that's at war with God. Enmity. Enmity uh, with God, I think, is the passage I want. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, James, yeah, can't be, a, you know, right? First John, right? You love the world and um, all that fun stuff. Oh, Romans 8, 7, is that the one I was thinking of? Mind governed by the flesh, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure, that one will work. Um, Romans 8, 7. Uh, for the mind is set in the flesh is hostile to God, uh, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So, so again, this ultimate reality. So, if if someone's outside of Christ, if they aren't in Christ, if they aren't, um, if they don't have their faith in Christ, they're they're war with God. They're at a hostility with God. So, their worldview ultimately rejects God. It hates God. And so there is no neutrality. And so when 
we talk about, okay, we want young people and, and, and we're losing them. Well, what are they trained up in? What do they, what do they have? Like, cause I think sometimes we get this obsession with wanting to get young people just to come back into the church. They haven't been trained up in it and they don't really have a Christian worldview. They might not even really be believers. They've just grown up in the church. And so we're trying to get people who, who have hostility towards God. I mean, for example, I saw a post recently that was, that was sort of making this, making a plea. And the first comment was like, well, when are we going to talk about this issue? Or when are we going to talk about this? And there was just so much animosity. I was just like, first of all, Hey, if you're so mad at the church and God, why are you commenting on somebody who wants to like, try to bring you like, <laughs> like you, you, they're so caught up in again what's going on in the world and what the world says is good and the church says well this isn't good and they're like well until you fix that i don't want anything to do with it so they don't want so this particular person doesn't want <laughs> the church to reflect the church they want the church to reflect the world and so they like again that's why they've left which again really iterates this point that they're at war with god they hate god they don't want his truth. And so we have to be careful when we get so concerned with a group of people because we have to look and go, well, why Why did they leave? Could it be this blatant ignorance? Yes, absolutely. I totally believe that we have failed in a lot of ways to really train up our children and the next generation. Totally do. I think there's a lot of methodology that got... Um, found its way into the church that wasn't good and that wasn't healthy that did damage and so there's just some ignorant christians out there who went oh man see this stuff's not right and they didn't have a good defense of their faith they weren't trained up okay i understand that i think that's true but then on the flip side there are probably some who maybe were trained but went nope i don't believe that i rejected that um <laughs> I mean, in, in fact, I was, I was, I was talking to uh, someone about faith, and it, it's this atheist I know, and, and we've had some back and forths many times, and um, and he came out of the blue again and sort of sent me a message and was trying to get me to, to go down the, the rabbit holes and, and rabbit trails and try to get into arguments and stuff, but, uh, yeah, and I, I just didn't really want to do it at the time, and... and uh, and so I, 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 but I was like, well, what, what arguments have you heard? And lists off all these different arguments about faith or about um, archaeology or you know all these different arguments about for why we should be Christians and why there's uh, good reason to. And I said, oh wow, okay, so you've heard all those and you've rejected all of them. It's like, yeah, absolutely. They're, they, I can, I can tear them all apart. Okay. Well, then uh, I got nothing for you then. Because if you, you know, because, because again, why am I going to, especially when I already have spent hours, if not days worth of time trying to point him to the truth when he then so easily just goes, nope, I know I'm right. All right. So again, this mentality, you know, are you at war, um, really sort of impacts this because there, there is the the reality of what's happening in our world, right? Again, because we've compartmentalized, because we've done this and that, 
Pe- people are teaching our, our kids. And since there is no neutrality, if we aren't training them, someone is. Now, again, I don't necessarily believe that they that these people think uh, who are teaching an anti-biblical uh, worldview, that they think they're, that they're doing harm. But ultimately, we know they are because they are in opposition to God. And so um, when we then consider why young people are leaving, that could be some of the factors that's going on into that. <sighs> okay. How long have I been going? It's about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. It doesn't matter. I got one more passage I want to look at. I got time. We can do this. One more passage. Here we go. I got a little preachy there. I apologize if that was a little rambling. Maybe it doesn't make the most sense. Comment. Give me some comments. Give me some feedback. How much you what you think about that? I'd love to hear where you thought I was off my rocker. Um So I wanted I wanted to sort of jump over to Colossians here because we um we obviously, based on what we've looked at already, we understand, again, the biblical assumption is that the father's parents are teaching their kids, training them up in all spheres of, of how how we live our life in all spheres as a, as a follower of, of God. The Ephesians passage reiterated that, and then I got on my little tangent about uh, no neutrality and how, again, people could be teaching, uh, if they're not with Christ, they're against them, and how the, you know, if we aren't teaching them, someone's teaching them something, and again, there could be that opposition, or that there are sometimes people that we want and think, oh, we need these young people, but they've rejected God because they've gone after the, the things of the world, and so it's not really the true thing. And so I want to emphasize a little bit more on, on that here to, to bring some clarity. So Colossians chapter 3. Um, <clears throat> we're going to start in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ... Okay, good assumption. Uh, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. See at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So if you, so if you are caught up in the zeitgeist, all the stuff that's going on in the world today, if you're for this thing that that clearly is a biblical or that thing that's clearly a biblical, like. It's a good sign you're not in Christ. Okay. Uh, verse 3. For you have died. Oh, man. For you have died, and you are, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And now, just in case we won't have any question about what these earthly things are, um, because despite the fact that, you know, um, this is a couple thousand, uh, 2,000 years later. Give, oh, I mean, obviously not exactly, but you know what I'm saying. About 2,000 years later. Um, I don't think any of this is any different because uh, this is what's supposed to God. And sure enough, here's what's popular in our culture. Uh, so put, the, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, uh, the wrath of God is coming. <laughs> okay. In those you, excuse me, in 
these you two once walked when you were living in them. So again, under understands that people can repent and come to Christ, right? Makes sense. Um, but verse eight, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie uh, to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh, here, there is no Greek or Jew, uh, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. I talked about that, about the ethnic stuff, but um, gloss over that in this moment because, again, emphasizing that if you're in Christ, you've put away sexual immorality, impurities, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth and lying to one another. You've put those things off. That's done away with. Now, again, assuming you're in Christ and you're being trained up to know and understand these things are not good. We cannot walk in them. So, <clears throat> verse 12, put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if, and bearing with one another, oh my goodness, we're so awful at this. And bearing with one another, we're not going to agree on everything at all times. We're going to have some difficulties. We've got to bear with one another. Okay. Off my soapbox. Bearing with one another. Uh, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly teaching, <laughs> teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in our hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do indeed, or, or excuse me, in word or deed, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here we've come full circle. Here we have come full circle because here, once again, he's compared the, the, the fleshly point of view, the, those that are against God, to the uh, those in Christ who are put on Christ and are forsaking the things of the world, those old desires, those old lusts, those old things. Now instead, putting on the new things, and then it wraps up with teaching and admonishing one another. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There is a clear, there is a clear historical foundation for what the church believed. Do you know what it is? Some of you are shouting the Bible. And yes, indeed. Theonosos, the revelation of God, the law of God, the things that God has given his people so that he, they will know how to worship and how to love, how to live, and how to walk faithfully as a person 
who loves and knows God. So, we can't just make up whatever we want. We understand this. There's a consistent foundation. It's the Word of God. That is what parents should be teaching. Parents need to know why they believe what they believe so that they can teach it to their kids so that we can build a legacy of faith that, that, that flows from generation, generation, generation. Because if we aren't teaching, then we obviously know someone else is teaching. And as we've looked, there's no myth, <laughs> no mythology, excuse me, there's no neutrality. Neutrality is a myth. There's where my head went. There's no neutrality. So if someone, so if you're not training them up in Christ and this other side isn't training them uh, up in Christ, it's not neutral, it's anti-Christ. We know this because you're either with Christ or you're against Christ. But then when we talk about wanting people in the church and, and, and being concerned that people are leaving the church we have to stop and just pause and go, wait, why are they leaving? Are they leaving because they want the things of the earth, of the world, the fleshly desires, the sinful desires, the carnal desire? If they want that, then you can call them to repentance. But if they still go, no, there's not much you can do. Why are we desperate to make someone who wants no desire to serve God? be part of an organization that's supposed to be about serving God, not an organization, uh, a group, <laughs> a people. That's about serving God. Why would we want that? <sighs> frankly, frankly, we shouldn't. Because again, we should be teaching instructing, admonishing, correcting, so that we walk and grow in our faith. Now, here's where I'll put one little disclaimer. Talked about forgiving one another and bearing with one another. Now, here's the deal. Um, not all of us are at the same place in this. So there might be someone who's doing something, behaving in a way that seems contrary to the word of God. Yep. There might be. We will probably run into that. And we have to show compassion and grace. And again, there's where the instruction comes in to come walk along them and go, hey, do you know that this is not an acceptable thing for a Christian to be doing? Wait, what? Let's look at the scripture. Let's unpack it. Let's work together. Do you see this? Oh, I see it now. Great. They repent and they Maybe they struggle, maybe they still stumble up and fall, but they're, they're, work, they're trying to work beyond it, right? That's a repentant, that's a humble, that's a meek mindset. The other side would be, no, nah, I see what you're saying, I can sort of see your rationale, but I'm going to continue to do this because I, I, I don't really buy it. Well, okay, that's red flag. Which one do you really want now? And we need to be able to be willing to have some of those hard conversations. So again, we do have to have some grace and mercy within this. It's not a black or white thing that once you become saved, oh, you never sin again. Obviously, I would never try to preach that. So just to, to clarify, in case anybody was trying to 
take it there. So I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, yes, indeed, we do have a problem in the church. Young people, for whatever reason, usually graduate high school and then, I don't know what the current number is, but I wouldn't be surprised if that 60% has gone up. I would not be surprised. But if you look up other Barna polls, Barna studies, you'll find that um, the Bible literacy, the basic theology understanding, and uh, the general overall understanding of who God is from a biblical point of view is uh, radically diminished in Western evangelicalism. So it only makes sense that we've fallen off because we aren't training up anyone. It's not just parents aren't training up kids. It's There's no discipleship necessary in the church. There's uh, no um, deacons and elders and uh, what have you that are, that are training up anyone. And so there's lots of uh, things falling to the wayside. Lots of ignorant and foolish ideas being propagated, <clears throat> which uh, are not hurting, excuse me, which are hurting, not helping the, uh, the church at large. So, <clears throat> so we do have a problem. Um, however, we also have to be real and go, is is every one of these cases the same? And I would uh, just honestly say no. There's some people who grew up in the church, who left the church, who hate the church, and they hate Christ. Because while they grew up in the church, they, they never actually knew him. Right? In First John, we'll talk about that, that they were never really one of us. Which is never a fun subject to talk about, but apostasy is real. It's right there in scripture. We do see people walk away from faith because they hate God. And we have to deal with that. We have to be willing to deal with that. And in those cases, I think it's a grace on God to show his church that he doesn't allow people who truly hate the church to stay in the church for too long. <laughs> Obviously, they exist there for a while and can do some damage. We've all heard those horror stories, I'm sure, as well. But uh, God works those things out uh, in his due time. So, there you have it. There's episode 19 in the books. Um, I do want to apologize um, for missing a week, just because uh, life got crazy. So we this this episode should have actually posted um, a couple weeks ago. So I apologize for those of you looking for an episode on the 17th and you never got it. Um, but uh, we should be able to get back to schedule here moving on. So, uh, so yeah. Like I said, um, happy to hear any comments or uh, criticisms or complaints in uh, the, the comment sections. So wherever you found this, uh, try to stay up to date on those as well. Or, um, you know, you can always find me on my social media and, and bother me there. Uh, Theology happens on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram, too. Although, I don't know. Do people complain on Instagram like they do the Twitter? I don't know. I haven't found it yet, but I also haven't found people complaining to me on Twitter yet either. So. I'm too small. <laughs> no one cares about me. Anyways, <sighs> thanks for listening, and uh, God bless. <laughs>